Good morning, church. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll see if that's going to work there. Hey, uh, so um, I'm really excited. I, I noticed this morning on the way in, uh, here we go, it's going to work, that um, we had almost, I don't know, 75, 85. We had a bunch of these tags already on the boards. Uh, this morning I was at our middle school retreat last night, and a bunch of them filled out a bunch of cards. A bunch of you filled them out this morning. Really excited about that. If you don't know, let me just remind you, these little tags are just a way we have a goal. We want to collect a 1,000 stories. A thousand examples of how, because of Jesus, we're just trying to live different in our everyday, ordinary lives. We're trying to find ways to respond different, uh, to respond like Jesus would in situations where maybe before we would have done this, but now because of Jesus, we're trying to live differently. We're trying to do something different. We're trying to follow Jesus in the details of our lives, to think different, to pray different, to react different, to talk different, to, to respond in traffic different. Last week, someone told me that someone caught them off, cut them off in traffic, and they just grabbed the steering wheel and said, I'm living differently, you know? <laughs> That's it. That's it, right? That, that is exactly what we're going for, is for us to think about how in real-time, practical, everyday ways, because of Jesus, we are trying to live different. And this is not about us trying to toot our own horns or say, look at us. It's just us trying to recognize, realize, take notice of, and celebrate the ways we're trying to live different because of Jesus. And, and you don't have to put a name on it. If you want to say how you saw someone else living differently, how you saw Jesus and someone else, write that on a tag and hang it up. We just want to collect a thousand stories of how Jesus is making a difference in our lives in real-time ways. And so I'm excited about that. If, if you need some of these, they're in the back. Uh, they're all around the building. You can grab these, write a note, put it on uh, one of the boards on the stage, in the lobby, around the building. You'll see these hanging up. Just do that, and we're going to try to collect a thousand different stories. Jason said it a while ago, but Easter's coming up. And we also have these cards. We'll give these out soon. Little business-sized cards. I don't know, has anybody here ever gotten a card from Pete Montgomery with two little dogs on it? God loves you, yeah. This man last year handed out like something like 4,000 cards. You don't meet Pete and not get a card. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with these. If he can do it, you can do it, right? A little card just to remember. All it has is a, is a picture of our church on the back and our web address and, uh, and our location on the front. And so as you're meeting people, your neighbors, uh, people at work, people you go to school with, whatever, practice, uh, if you want to invite them to church especially. I, 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 I thought about this this week. How many people do you know in your circles of friends or influence who don't belong to a church, who could really use the hope that you and I have and we share? And who knows what would happen if you just invited them to church? What would happen if they would come? Uh, This morning, I'll tell you more about it later, but man, I heard a powerful story, a powerful story of someone who just simply invited someone else to church and it changed their life. And And that was Jesus, you know that, he did that. You never know what hangs in the balance uh, for someone uh, in in making a simple invitation. So we have these. We'll give them out soon. All right. That did not work. That's okay. Man, I'm glad to be here this morning. Can we say this together? We've said it last week. Let's say it again today. Let's say this on on the screen. It is. Let's say it together. We are the body of Christ called to live different, to invite people to come together Invest in each other and engage in what matters most because of Jesus. I love that. I love, I love that. I want you to think this morning about this. What are you currently doing? What are you currently engaged in that will have an eternal impact? What is it? Think about last week. Think about what's coming up 
this week? What are you doing right now? What are you involved in that will have an eternal impact? Does anybody, anybody have a bracket that's still standing? My son, has be, is, is, he's beaten me. It's done, right? It came down to UK, North Carolina. He won. They won. It's over for me. He's got a chance to pick. He picked North Carolina to go all the way. Anybody else pick North Carolina or Gonzaga maybe? Man, we have some terrible March Madness pickers in the room. That's okay. We'll do better next year. Um, we'll pray about it, and it'll be awesome. So uh, when I was in high school, I played basketball. You may have guessed that because I'm tall, and if you're tall, you play basketball. That's what you do. When, when I say play basketball, I mean I mostly, you know, rode the bench. It was only years later I would develop into the superb athlete you see today. Um, we, uh, we had this coach named Coach Goodman, and he was a great coach. I really I loved him as a man and respected him as a coach. And I'll never forget one, one season, halfway through the season, uh, we show up to practice and we're, we're expecting to do what we always did, to, 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 to practice our current plays, to maybe add in a new play or a new wrinkle into the offense for the, the team that we were going to face next, for the opposition that was coming next. Uh, you know, do the normal drills, you know, just get better, work hard, uh, learn some new things and have a normal midseason practice. But this day, he didn't do that. He came out in the court, had his whistle around his necks, and he, he always looked mad. I don't know why coaches always look mad. He looked mad, blew the whistle, got us all together. And we, we find out that this, on this day, this week actually, the whole, every practice, we're not adding any, any, nothing new. No new plays, nothing, nothing at all. We're going back to the basics. We're going we're gonna to run suicides. We're going to do conditioning. We're going to practice the mechanics of a layup. We're going to do free throws. We're going to work on passing drills. And let me tell you, our team was mad, like frustrated. And we were way too advanced for these simple little drills he was making us do all week long. It was back to the basics, back to fundamentals. But I'll tell you what, that next game, you know what happened? I don't think we missed a layup. We had, we had way less turnovers than we had been having in the games before. We played a cleaner game, a crisper game, and something happened. We got better as a team, and because of that, we began to win. Some of you are asking, what's the point of the series? And when it's all said and done and, and we move on to the next thing, what's, what, what's, what do we hope the outcome of this whole idea of, of live different is going to be? And I'll tell you what it is for me. It's just getting back to the fundamentals. What... What if what became true of us, or maybe I should say it this way, what if became more true of us is that we were just Jesus people, that we were a Jesus church, that we just did what Jesus did and took his words to heart and followed them. So Jesus invites people to come follow him. What if we became people that invited people to come to church, to come follow Jesus, to get into relationship? Jesus invested in those around him in some pretty amazing ways. What if we loved each other the way Christ loved us? What if I loved you the way Christ loved me and you loved me the way Christ loves you? What if, what if we elevated the, the love of Christ above any difference that we might have? And Jesus engaged in what matters most. He literally, his entire life, focused only on those things that had an eternal impact, and that's what he did. So what if we just did that? What if we just became a people? What if we became a church that just took the words of Jesus, took the life of Jesus, took the person of Jesus, and just be, we just became Jesus' people, just became a Jesus' church? 
I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said it this way. He said so many great things, but he said this too. He said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. So what if we decided as individuals and as a church to be an effective church on mission, not for Jesus, with Jesus? What was, what was Jesus engaged in? Let's just do that. I love this story. Sarah Bessie is a blogger. She's an author. She's a speaker. And she's a part of an organization that does a lot of good work in the country of Haiti. And if you know anything about Haiti, you know over the last few years especially, they've been like just ravaged by natural disasters. And so uh, she was flying over with her team to Haiti. And they were going to go see this land that the government had given them to build a school. So they get there with their team. They unload off the plane. They go to the site, the location that where the government has given them a lot of land where they can build a school for the children and the nearby villages to come and to learn, to read and write, and to even learn about God. It's just an unbelievable opportunity. And she tells a story that they get there, they get off the plane, they make the trip, they get to the plot of land, and when they see, when they see the place that they've been given to build a school, their hearts sink. Because as they look at this small piece of land they've been given, and they had all these high hopes of building this incredible school for these children, they look at the land and it's covered with literally a mountain of rock and debris. And they had no way. They didn't have the people resources. They didn't have the financial resources. There was nothing. There was no, there was no company over there to hire to come do this. They were just... They got back on the plane and they left thinking it would never, ever happen. The mountain's too large to move. It was overwhelming. It was paralyzing. They were just... They were done. They were done. If I had to guess, I, I think this is how so many of us feel in the room. Because I, I think I know you well enough to say that everyone in the room, all of you have a heart for God. You have a heart to want to serve God. You have a heart that, that says, I want to I do good in the name of Jesus for others. But the problem is, if you're anything like me, like you've never been more aware of all the needs around us. They are everywhere. Uh, there, are so, there is so much need in our city. There's so much need in our neighborhood. There's so much need in our state, in our country. And then you're just a two-hour plane ride from going anywhere in the world where the need is so great, the poverty is so immense that you literally don't know where to start. And sometimes it just becomes overwhelming. And when we get overwhelmed, we get paralyzed. And because the need is so great and we don't know where to start, instead of doing something, we just do Nothing. But you and I also know, and we live with this, and sometimes it just manifests itself in guilt because we know that we are, we're called to get off the bench, we're called to get in the game, we're compelled by the love of Jesus to do something, but we don't even know where to begin. If you rewind the tape and you think about what you know about Jesus, I want to ask you this question. What was Jesus engaged in? What was he known for? What was he doing? And are we doing the same things that Jesus did when he walked the planet? 
I think this is a really important question for us as a church to think about and for us as individuals to, to think about in our own lives. Are we doing the same things? Are we involved in the same kinds of things? Are we engaged in the same kind of, kinds of things that Jesus was engaged in? Sometimes I think we spend a lot of our time as a church trying to have the right ideas about God, trying to have the right ideas about church, trying to have the right ideas about Scripture. And don't misunderstand me. I have a high view of Scripture. I have a high view of the church. I have a high view of, of all those things. But... But sometimes we can get so lost in the weeds trying to have the right ideas about all of those things that we don't, we're not engaged in simply doing what Jesus did. I, I love what Carl Madeira said in his book, Speaking of Jesus. He said these words, and I think, I think he's right. He said, there's a place for doctrine and dogma and science and history and apologetics, but these things, these things are not Jesus. They are humanly manufactured attempts to make people think that having the right ideas is the same things as loving and following Jesus. And if you think about it, you know this. Who was Jesus? Who did Jesus spend the most time being aggravated with, being mad at, being angry at? It was precisely those people who spent all of their time trying to have the right ideas about God, the right ideas about Scripture. These are the people that frustrated Jesus. And the whole time Jesus is saying, Come on. You've been, you've been looking at all of these commands and trying to follow all of these commands, but you've missed what's most important. What did Jesus do? What was he engaged in? What was he all about? Jesus even told the story one time about, about, about a time at the end of time, and, and, and he says, those people who were in prison, and you came to visit them, those people that, you know, if you saw someone who was hungry and you fed them, if you saw someone who didn't have any clothes and you clothed them, if you did those things for others, then you will enter the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't those people that got it all right. It was those people that were participating in the life and ministry of Jesus, trying to make things on heaven as they are on earth. It was those people who were active in doing the work of God, the work of Jesus, that entered into the kingdom of heaven. So what was Jesus doing? What was he all about? I love the story in Matthew 11. If you have your Bible or you have a device, you want to turn this on, open this up. In Matthew 11, we have this really, really amazing short story that gives us a snapshot into the life and ministry of Jesus. If you back up to Matthew 10, you see that Jesus has just called his, his 12 disciples. And right after he calls them, don't miss this, it's the coolest thing. Right after he calls them and makes them the 12, he sends them on, on their very first mission trip. And he says, I want you to go, go into the surrounding communities, and I want you to, to, to talk about the kingdom of heaven. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. Basically, I want you to go be me. You go be Jesus wherever you go. You do what you've seen me do. You say what, you, what you've seen me say. You, you go do all of that, and then come back, and we'll talk about it. And it's going to be amazing. They didn't have it all figured out yet. They didn't follow Jesus very long. Some of you think, I haven't been following Jesus long. I don't know what I can do. Jesus, as soon as he calls you, he's ready to send you. And all he wants you to do is talk about his father and do what you've seen him do. Help those who need help. And as soon as he does that, he turns to Matthew 11. And this is what, this is what Matthew says happens next. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out. Because he's going to do this too. He's on mission too. He went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist. Now John is the cousin of Jesus. John's probably, what, six months older than Jesus. John is, they're related. And John has been, his whole life mission was to prepare the way for Jesus. To prepare the way of the Lord. And if you're looking for a mission for your life, this would be a good one to adopt. 
That wherever you go, you're just preparing the way for Jesus in people's lives. That's what John did. John the Baptist was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus and get this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we look for someone else? Does that strike you as a bit of a crazy question? This is John the Baptist who, oh, by the way, is the cousin of Jesus. This is John the Baptist who, oh, by the way, he was there the day when Jesus came walking down to the Jordan River. And it was John's bony finger that was pointing at Jesus saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. It was John who, who when Jesus walked into the water, John met him there. And Jesus said, I want you to baptize me. And so John did, even though he didn't want to. And in that moment when Jesus came up out of the water, John is standing with Jesus, who was the Son of God. He hears the voice of God the Father say, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then John sees a dove, the Spirit of God, descend on Jesus. If there was anyone who, who never should have had any doubt that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, it should have been John. But John's in prison. And it's not looking good. And it's in the middle of these uncertain times. John just needs to know. He needs to be certain. There's a little bit of doubt. I don't know, maybe you've been there. There was a time in your life when you knew that you knew that you knew who Jesus was. But then, it happened. I don't know what it was, but it happened. Broken relationships, finances got wrecked, wheels are coming off, car broke down. Kids are a mess. You're in the prison of addiction or depression, the prison of fill in the blank. And even though one time in your life you knew that you knew that you knew who Jesus was, now that you're in this moment, in this place, in this prison, you're asking the same question that John is. Jesus, are you really who you say you are? And if you are, can you help me? Jesus said this. He said, go back. Go back and tell Cousin John. And tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see. The lame are walking around. Those with leprosy completely cured. The deaf Get this, they can hear. The dead, you're not going to believe this. The dead are raised to life. And get this, the good news. The good news is preached to the poor. God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Here's the problem. Nobody expected the Messiah, to come and be a healer. Nobody. No. But what they were looking for, what they had wanted, what they had heard, what they had read from the, the prophets of old was that when Messiah comes, he's going to come and deliver us. He's going to come and rescue us. He's going to come and he's going to set up a new kingdom. He's going to come and he's going he's to free us from the oppression we're under. Nobody expected this. 
the, the, the prophets had told about it. Isaiah, who had, who had lived and spoken of Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus came, had said that this, this exact thing would happen. In fact, if you rewind the tape and you go back to Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, you read these words of Isaiah. Listen to them. When he comes... He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer. Those who cannot speak will sing for joy and springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams uh, will water the wasteland. When the Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. But just like a lot of us, they had selective hearing. And they weren't looking for Messiah, for Jesus to come and to do this. But Jesus says, go tell John this. Here's what I'm engaged in. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what my ministry is all about. And here's what the Messiah came to do. What is it? You know this. What did Jesus come to do? He came. He came to teach people, all people, about the unconditional love of their Heavenly Father. He came to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to, cure, to, to care for the poor and the marginalized, to forgive sin, to welcome children, to elevate women, to make disciples, to touch the untouchable, to love the unlovable, and to make a tangible difference in people's lives. One person. At a time. And here's the thing. And this, this may be a hard pill for you to swallow. Jesus didn't heal everybody. There were times, because he was fully human. He was fully divine, but he was fully human. There were times when he, he was exhausted from a long day of ministry and loving people and preaching to people and healing people that, that he walked away. The Bible says on more than one occasion that, that he withdrew to a lonely place to pray, to be refreshed, to be renewed, to, be, to rest, to be with his heavenly father. Jesus didn't heal everybody. But, but the overwhelming need, the mountain before him of, of, the, of the people who needed help did not stop him from helping some. It didn't paralyze him into inaction. No, Jesus did something. He engaged in what matters most. And what matters most what mattered most to Jesus? What, what mattered most to Jesus? People. 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 I told you that story about Sarah and Haiti and the Mountain of Rocks. But there's more to the story. Sarah and her team got on the airplane to fly home. What they didn't know was that after they left... An older Haitian man in his 60s came. And he saw that same mountain of rubble. And I want you to hear what Sarah wrote. She said, one day, a skinny Haitian man in his 60s showed up with a pickaxe and a shovel. With a promise of only lunch as his daily payment, he shouldered into that stone and dismantled an entire rock hillside, shovel by shovel in the equatorial heat. When Sarah and her team arrived the next year and they came to that same plot of land, they found that that mountain of rock and rubble was completely removed. So they asked him. She writes, we asked him why he felt compelled to do this. What motivated this tremendous effort? And he told a story of always longing to go to school and even though it was too late for him, it was not too late for Haiti. It took months of hard labor. But he leveled that hill with his own wiry arms and strong back. And they set up their tent school. 
And more than 150 kids came from the neighborhood. And they showed up in their uniforms. So what does it look like for you and I to engage in what matters most? I think it means we pick a mountain, we get a pickaxe, we grab a shovel, and we go to work, right? This is what it means for us to engage in what matters most. I know the mountain before us seems so huge. I know it seems like it can't be done because there's so much need in the world around us. But I think it's pick a mountain, get a pickaxe, grab a shovel. No one is exempt. You're not done yet. If you're still breathing, you get to participate in the life and ministry of Jesus. And here's the thing I know. I know you're a generous people. I know you look for ways to use your time, your talent, and your resources to engage in those things that matter most. But, but the reason that we do this is different. It's different than the world around us. I know we live in a generous time. America is a generous country. In 2014, they say that Americans gave $360 billion to charity. 80% of that was given by individuals. And they gave another like something like 63 million hours of community service. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable how generous people are. But the reason we do what we do is different because we have a different motivation. The reason that we engage in what matters most, the reason we try to try to engage and use our time and our talent and our resources and, and to make things on heaven or on earth as they are in heaven, the reason we do it is because we have experienced. We have been recipients of the unconditional love of Jesus. And because of that, it changes everything that we do, right? And here's the amazing thing, right? Uh, the amazing thing is that whenever we do this, whenever we engage with people, whenever we try to make things better, whenever we, we, we look at the need before us and we try to get involved and make a difference to make things better, because of you, the, what, what happens is because of those efforts, because of our engagement, people want to know why. And this is what I love about Jesus. Think about it. Every time. Every time Jesus engaged, every time he made a difference, every time he healed someone, every time he helped someone, what did Jesus always, 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 always do? He talked to them about the kingdom of heaven. He talked to them about the unconditional love of his heavenly father. And this is what we get to do as well. Because we've experienced, because we've been forgiven, we get to forgive. Because we've been loved, we get to love. Because Jesus has provided for us, we get to provide for others. Everything we do, we do because we are the recipients of the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens. When you give your life away, when you serve, when you engage, when you, when you engage in what matters most, when you give your life away, you open the door for someone else to receive Christ. And this is why we do what we do. Amen, church? Come on, amen, church? This is it. Do you not get it? Do you not see? This is what Jesus did. He, he got busy. He was working. He was involved. It was messy. It was unpredictable. It didn't always work out. But he did it because of the unconditional love of God. And when we do this, when we engage with people, when we love people, when we do what Jesus did, when we engage in what matters most because of Jesus, we open the door. For someone else to receive Christ. Come on, church. This is it. This is it. If we can't do this, what are we doing? If we're not using our time and our talent and our resources to engage in what matters most because of Jesus, what are we doing? Come on. This is it. Church, if you would, let's stand together. I think it's time to get back to the fundamentals.
I think it's time for us to say we are the body of Christ. And we're here to engage in what matters most because of Jesus. Jesus once said, if you want to follow me, come to church every Sunday. Oh, wait, wait, he didn't say that. He said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to follow me, do what I'm doing. If you want to follow me, come die. If you want to follow me, give your life away so that others can receive Christ. Jesus didn't tell John that day, but he, I know he had to be thinking it. John, this is not going to end well for you. You're going to die in that prison. But because you gave your life away, so many people, including you and me, by the way, have had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. John, that's what's happening. You've made a difference. Because you live different, so many people get to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus knew that for him, the gospel would require a cross. But because he was willing to give his life away, every one of us in the room have had the opportunity to receive eternal life. And we're called to do the same. So may we be a church. May we be a church that engages in what matters most, that gives our life literally away so that people will have a chance to receive Christ. Today, if you want to receive Christ, man, we'd love to see it happen. We believe when you step in these waters of baptism behind me that that's part of that process of engaging in life with Jesus. If maybe for whatever reason you feel like your life has been off the tracks and you've just been out of the game and you want to get back in the game, we'd love to pray with you. I'm going to ask our elders to make their way around the room and you can find one of them. You can come pray with me. We just want to pray that we would be a church that is fully engaged. There's a lot of things you can be involved in, church. Let's be engaged in what matters most. Let's sing.